This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson skulle jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Yes! Thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Keeping Girls of Fantasy Hockey podcast, one of the last podcasts of the regular season. Actually, this is, by the way, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I don't know why I interrupted my intro, and now I'm doing it again. Okay, back on track. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me, as always, is the IPP MVP himself, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode exciting times as always in fantasy land you are either just starting your finals continuing your finals you've already done your finals so many things could be happening one thing that's absolutely going to be happening next week in ottawa we're having a listener meetup if you'd like to come join us where elon and i uh i think there's going to be a caps pens game on uh after we record next week's episode on april 1st uh we're going to meet at the clock tower brew pub in the glebe so, uh, I mean, that doesn't mean much to like 90% of the people listening. But if you're in Ottawa and you're listening, come out, join us, have a drink, have a treat, have a snack, whatever you'd like to have. Have it with us uh, Sunday, April 1st. Keepingcarlson.com slash meetup is the way to uh, to make yourself counted so we can get our numbers right. Yeah, you'll get all the details. Keepingcarlson.com slash meetup. I was hoping you'd mention it. You asked me beforehand, can you please make this event and link it? So I did all that work for you. I'm glad that you at least mentioned that hyperlink. Uh, okay, another piece of announcements before we get into the actual show, which, by the way, let me just preview here. We've got injuries. We've got outdries. We've got random tips. Also, all the players we're going to discuss, we're going to do in the context of the schedule for next week, is probably everyone who's still live in their pools is going into their finals next week and need to know not only which players are hot, but also who they could fit in their schedule. So this is going to be a very big jam-packed with a ton of players we're going to try to give you a lot of advice if you're still alive in fantasy and if you're not it'll still be fun we'll have a good time trust me it'll be good uh the other announcement i wanted to make is that next week's episode which brian and i are going to be recording right before we head out to the clock tower brew pub whatever in the glebe is that episode is going to be a mailbag show we're going to be taking questions from the listeners obviously if i have some news at the start i'll i'll say every anything important that happens like a major injury though by then most people's leagues will be done but this is your chance to decide what we're going to talk about we do this with the patrons all the time we wanted to open this up to everybody so there's a few ways for you to submit your questions for next week's show you could tweet at us at keeping carlson if you could use the hashtag 
KK mailbag, then we'll be able to find all of your questions very easily. So again, hashtag KK mailbag. Also, if you're a patron uh, in our patron only Facebook group, we'll make an event and you can post your questions there. You can also email us, keepingcarlson at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject. You, you'll figure it out. If you have a question, figure out how to send it to us and then we'll ask and answer it on next week's show. But Brian, with that, Let's get started. Actually, no, let's not get started just yet. Let's mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, which is the best fantasy hockey website out there. If you're still live in your pool, I'd imagine you've been using this resource all season long. And if not, why not just get that extra surge in the last week, get their daily ramblings, use all their tools at, at Frozen Pools. You've got the starting goalies and the line combinations. It's just a really great site. It's the premier place to go for anything fantasy hockey. So check it out, DauberHockey.com. Now, Brian, I'd like to get started. Last week, we started the show with a random tip. I named it the Elon, this trick where if you're in like a Yahoo League or whatever, and if you have a couple of injured players and not enough spots in your IR to fit them both, you sort of plan in advance and set them both in the lineup for the days they're playing and put them in the IR for the other day. We did get an email from patron Chris who pointed out that's not very sportsmanlike, and, and, and Chris was right. So obviously only do that if everyone in your league is doing things like that. If you can make an agreement that no no one is allowed to do the Elon. I think the league will be better off for it. But if you have no idea what your opponents are going to do, you don't want to be sitting there not taking advantage and having other people do it. Uh, Brian, I've got another random tip for this week. Okay, maybe that could be a new thing. At the beginning of every show, we could have a little strategy tip before we get into the specific players. Well, it's very ambitious of you. First, I'll comment. You, I agree, Elon, that like you want to do the Elon before the Elon is done to you. But ideally, nobody does the Elon. Like there are these little loopholes in fantasy that have nothing to do with having the best players on your team and are all about just managing in the most ruthless way possible, taking advantage of every little nook and cranny of the rule book that you can, you know, squeak yourself into if that makes any sense at all. So uh, it's, it's get that done for your team or get gotten by the other teams doing it in some leagues, in which case you want to be on top of that, uh, Otherwise, though, I, I get it. If everybody's holding hands in Kumbaya and it's not super competitive, then it's not the greatest thing to be doing. But sportsmanship has never been important to you, Elon. No, not really. But also it depends what you want to get out of fantasy hockey, right? Like for me, it's a strategy game. I want to take advantage of all of the available strategies to me. But I know if you're saying it's all about who can build the best team, who can like put it on their resume. I could be an NHL GM because I'm so, sm- you know, like that's fun and that's cool. But I also like figuring out what I can do to try to maximize, get extra games. You know, these IR tricks. I don't want to give away all of our uh, strategies that we're going to give away in uh, future episodes. But, you know, all these tricks of like leaving people in IR, even though they're healthy. Stuff like that. I like it. You don't like it as much. And my tip for this week something i've realized recently is it really is beneficial to have goalies on your team that play in the west coast and have late games i found in my past couple of matchups if i have jonathan quick and my opponent has let's say i don't know uh, frederick anderson it's really nice to be able to see how anderson does before i have to decide whether or not to play quick or not especially late in the matchup where i'm not sure if i'm going to be ahead or behind in save percentage so i'd say next year when you're drafting for your leagues don't put a huge bonus on these people you know like not a, a huge premium maybe a slight premium to guys like jonathan quick flurry gibson martin jones these goalies who play late games i think there's a slight advantage there to having the goalie that plays later than your opponent if assuming you're in a league where you get to move your roster around after all of the games have started i know some leagues they lock rosters as soon as the first game has started i love that you're presenting this at the end of the season when i definitely have said this Before this year, before other years, the downside of getting a Western Conference goalie is that 
these goalies have their morning skates later in the day. So you have to wait longer to get confirmation for if they're starting. And in a league that has a fab deadline every day, like the cup full, you might not know in time by the 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. Uh, free agent edition deadline, uh, whether you need to add a backup or what you need to do for your goalie situations. So that's the downside of getting those Western Conference goalies in later time zones. That said, as someone who has owned Western Conference goalies this year, the upside I've found outweighs the downside, especially if your guys are generally workhorses like Mike Smith, Ben Bishop, whose starting statuses don't leave you guessing too often. Unless it's now and Ben Bishop is injured and Mike Smith is on a team with no players. We'll get to these guys later. Yeah, right now, definitely you want the Martin Joneses and not the Ben Bishops. But okay, let's get started with this week's content. Let's start with injuries. At this point, even a short-term injury can be catastrophic to your chances of winning your pool. Obviously, if a player's out for like two games, that could be two-thirds of the games that you're getting in your finals week. So we're going to talk about some guys who might not be out long-term, but still worth bringing up. I want to start in Boston. Rick Nash has been out for the last three games for the Bruins with an upper body injury. Not like the toughest break for his owners just because he had really slowed down after after his first few great games with the Bruins. Nash had two goals, one assist, and 23 shots in his first four games with Boston. And then his next seven games, one goal, two assists, and 18 shots. So he's still trying to catch up to the number of shots that he put up in his first four games. So at this point, I think it's hard to justify holding Rick Nash if you can't stash him in IR. Like if he's day-to-day and you're on ESPN Obviously, just drop him from your team, whatever. But with him out, and along with also Patrice Bergeron, though actually I think Bergeron is back today. So forget about him, but like DeBrusque is out, Bacchus is out. We've had a new face emerge in Boston, and that is Ryan Donato. Donato burst onto the scene in his first game on Monday versus Columbus. He put up a goal and two assists and six shots in his first NHL game. Then he scored a power play goal on Wednesday versus St. Louis. Nothing versus Dallas on Friday, but still a really good first three games. He's been slotting in on the second line with Heinen and Krejci, and also on the top power play with Marshawn, Nash, Pasternak, and Krug or Grizzlick, who uh, we'll get to in a second. Uh, according to practice lines today, though, Bergeron is back, and the Bruins are going with Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak as line one, then Donato with Krejci and Gianta as line two, then Heinen going down to line three with Riley Nash and Tommy Wingles. I'm not sure exactly about the power play that we're recording this just as the game has started. Brian, anyways, all this to say, who is Ryan Donato, and how seriously should people consider scooping him up for their finals next week? Boston plays Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So a four-game schedule, but a lot of busy days. But if you can fit him in, hard to not want a top power play guy who's doing well on his team. Donato fret. We've got all the info you need on this guy. Ryan Donato is a 21-year-old Boston native who was picked by his hometown Bruins in the second round back in 2014. Uh, turned out to be 56th overall. Uh, he is the son of former Bruin Ted Donato. Uh, Ryan himself has been tearing up the ECAC of the NCAA while playing for Harvard. Not only has Donato led Harvard in scoring for the last two years, but he's been a top 10 scorer in the entire conference for that time. That's all of the ECAC. This year, Donato's ranked fourth in ECAC scoring, which sounds like eh, but he's played only 29 games, which is seven to 10 games less than the guys ahead of him in the standing. So I think he'd be on pace to catch them if he played enough games, which he's now not going to because he's in the NHL. And even with the fewer games played, even more impressive, Donato is leading the ECAC in shots on goal to 175 shots in 29 games. So all this points to a guy with skilled hands, some scoring pedigree, and it's been lovely to see that translate to early NHL success. So happy to see him throwing pucks at the net at the NHL level, the way he was in college. 
I added Donato to my cup full team. Going to hang on to him at least until Bergeron returns. Elon, we might know that. All right, right, I already said Bergeron's back today. He's been playing yeah. already. Okay, okay, good. I got lost in my own notes. Uh, so we're going to see where he ends up in the lineup. Even if Donato gets bumped off a of power play one and is spending time on line two, uh, still could offer some good depth scoring value. We've seen a lot of good value in Boston, surprising value in Boston from that spot already this year. So why not from Donato? Yeah, and also he might stay on the top power play because Riley Nash and Donato have both been there. So with Bergeron back, I'd assume that Riley Nash is the one who gets bumped and Donato's maybe taking Rick Nash's spot. I don't know. Maybe I've just made this idea up in my head. But since Riley Nash took over from Bergeron on line one, I assumed he also took Bergeron's spot on the power play. So we'll have to see once a power play happens, maybe later today in the game, we'll be able to find out where exactly Donato is playing. Of course, with Bergeron returning, Riley Nash takes a huge hit. By the way, I guess I should mention, uh, Patrice Bergeron is back. So great news if you're a Bergeron owner. He's awesome. You're very happy about this, especially if you're going into your finals and getting this nice boost of getting one of your top players back. But okay, with Bergeron back, Riley Nash down to the third line, like I said, playing with Wingles and Heinen. So obviously a big drop from playing with Pasternak and Marchand. I feel like probably people should drop Nash outright. Maybe if he's still on the top power play, you could think about keeping him. I don't know. He's been solid lately. He has five points his last six games. I imagine that's mainly because of his spot on the roster and not because we see him as having the skills to be able to keep this up no matter where he is in the lineup then you have David Krejci he's been hot and cold as per usual all season long Brian I'm curious so how would you rank these Bruins for next week I guess you added Ryan Donato does that mean you like him better than Nash and Krejci so I also have Krejci I do not have Riley Nash so if I had to rank them all I actually need to make a choice to start this week who I want to hang on to for their game. So I'll probably be looking at what they do tonight because it's so close, at least for me, between Krejci and Donato. Riley Nash, to me, is the the easy third choice uh, between the three. If I had to choose right now, I'd probably prioritize Krejci uh, and then Donato, and then, like I said, a distant third, Riley Nash. I don't know. This, the thing about Krejci that just always bothers me is he never gets on the top line, never gets on the top power play. It doesn't matter who gets injured. He's always overlooked. He's kind of like Ehlers over in Winnipeg, who also doesn't ever seem to get onto the top power play, no matter who's injured. So I don't know. Krejci's never too exciting for me, but I'm, I admit it. I have a bias. I always love guys who are going to potentially get me power play time, though. He does play on the second power play. Krejci does get a power play point every once in a while. I might go with Donato, but like you say, let's see what happens today. Maybe remind me to check in chat room. Remind me at the end of our episode, we can check and see if the Bruins have any power play. We can see who's been there. The point is, is that it's close enough between the two that tonight's game is going to help me make that decision. And it'll probably make us help that decision for you or you make it for yourself, whatever. Just keep an eye on tonight's game to see how they're used and what they do. Okay, yeah, it's 0-0 right now at the end of the first, pretty much, or 37 seconds left in the first between Boston and Minnesota. Speaking of the Bruins, also Tori Krug is, uh, he missed a couple of games, but he's also back today, I believe, or at least he was scheduled to be, and I could confirm, yes, he has been playing. He has a shot on goal so far. So very nice to see Krug back, and I guess that means that Matt Grizzlick is not that useful anymore. I was going to say, while Krug was out, Grizzlick, I think that's how you uh, pronounce it. It's spelled G-R-Z-E-L-C-Y-K, like a lot of consonants in a row, but I'm pretty sure I looked it up. Grizzlick, he was on the top power play with Krug out, also with McAvoy out and with Chara out. At this point, nothing, like forget about Grizzlick, right? Like Krug is back. They don't even need to talk about it. Well, I was going to say that 
if he's in there, uh, his numbers seem to back up the sort of power play two kind of top four defender. That's how Dubber Prospects has him written about anyway. Uh, always good, like, if you can add a power play one quarterback, but he's not that anymore. There are some other defensemen that I would have been more interested in regardless, like Thomas Shabbat, Eric Gustafsson, Neil Pionk, if they're still available to you. We're going to get to a couple of them later in the show. Yeah, I guess the thing is to keep in mind that Tori Krug has been a bit banged up. So if you see later on in the week, because we can't obviously record and give you an episode every day. So if you see that Tori Krug's injured again, you might want to get the jump on Matt Grizzlick, especially with Patrice Bergeron back. That's a very potent top power play on Boston. Okay, Brian, let's go to the next team. The next injury, Calgary. Everyone's injured. Like the big name is Sean Monahan. He's undergoing wrist surgery next week. He's going to be shut down for the rest of the season. He joins Kachuk and Versteeg and TJ Brody in the press box. Or I guess Monahan's not going to be in the press box. He's going to have surgery. But you know what I mean? It's a figure of speech. I don't know who's in the press box and who's not. Maybe some people like to sit. You can sit wherever you want. Uh, also, news just came out that Johnny Gaudreau is going to be missing Monday's game for personal reasons. So we don't know how long he'll be out. And we don't know even what the reasons are. But we know he's not going to be there Monday. So what does that leave us with? Like the Flames were rolling Gaudreau. Drew Bennett and Lazar as their top line yesterday, then Backlund with Brower and Frolik. Now with Gaudreau out, maybe they change things up again. I assume this is just bad for everyone, right, on Calgary. Like, no one benefits from having all the superstars gone. Like, sometimes when one superstar is gone, then you could say, oh, now this gives someone else an opportunity to play with the other superstar. In this case, who would you even want on the team? Maybe Backlund? I don't even know. Goudreau, by the way, was pointless in his last two games, even with Monaghan out. So I was going to maybe even ask you if it's worth playing Goudreau on a busy day, if you could play other players, just because the Flames seem so lackluster and Sean Monaghan is out. This At this point, though, maybe you won't even have the option to play Goudreau. So yeah, I guess my big question is, is there any value in any Calgary Flame at this point? Like they play Monday, Thursday, Saturday next week. So I'd imagine we aren't going to be recommending adding any Flames. They don't have a good schedule. And then you have guys like Goudreau, who let's say comes back Thursday and Saturday. You have Hamilton, Giordano. Those are probably the only three Flames that are healthy that you would consider playing next week. And if you don't need to worry about keeper considerations i wonder if you should just drop these guys especially after monday's game if you're already going to have their lineup spots filled anyway calgary hasn't been scoring goals they only have three goals in their last four games so even if you have these superstar guys it's just hard to imagine that calgary's going to be able to score enough goals to justify holding these guys same goes for mike smith by the way who's been terrible he's put up four straight sub 900 save percentage games and like i say calgary's not scoring any goals now Gaudreau is out calgary plays la columbus and edmonton next week so i'd imagine mike smith could totally get blown up in in any of those games, I feel like I would not be comfortable with him or any other Calgary Flame. I'd say drop them all. Okay, I'm going to unpack all of that. First off, do we care about any Calgary Flames? Uh, it's a really rough situation. It was rough before Gaudreau was knocked out uh, for, for personal reasons, and now it's even more grim, the picture in Calgary. The Flames are already free-falling, have not been able to find footing since Mike Smith got hurt, and not even with him healthy again are they finding success. And it's to the point where I even saw some weird and rare praise for Curtis Lazar's offensive abilities the other day, which I'm still trying to figure out whether it was satire or not. But on the whole, uh, there is not much to care about. On the Calgary roster, if you're not in a very deep league, I was going to say there's still some value in the guys playing with Gaudreau, but there's not even that anymore. As for the guys to drop after Monday, like Giordano and Hamilton, maybe you can drop Giordano if you don't need the blocks that he offers you. But I have a hard time believing that Hamilton is close enough to being the worst player on your roster that you can warrant cutting him loose in shallower leagues. I guess it's worth a thought, but I still like Dougie Hamilton to help me on any given night and still think he's probably enough of an upgrade 
over the guy that I'd have to play if I drop uh, to keep around even like maybe you can drop him between the Monday and Thursday game and risk losing him at not a huge cost. Uh, That would be how maybe I try to play it. Mike Smith, uh, you said he's been garbage and he has been garbage. He has not regained his pre-injury form. Calgary, like they're in a bit of a mess. Uh, I don't think Mike Smith is the only one to blame, but he's certainly part uh, of the reason. He has let in some real softies. And I'd like to think he can still steal starts, but he has not done much lately to offer faith that it'll happen. So on the whole, no, I would not want to be relying on any Calgary player over the next week. Yeah, I mean, you could hold Dougie Hamilton, like you said, for, I guess, like Monday or Thursday's game. The thing is, they're playing L.A. in L.A. against Jonathan Quick on Monday, then Columbus on Thursday. So maybe they get to play against Bobrovsky. I could see Calgary getting shut out in at least one of those games. So no matter how good Dougie Hamilton is, he has to pass to someone to score a goal. I don't know who that would be, especially if Goudreau was out Thursday. It would be hard for me to justify playing Hamilton over almost any other defenseman. Like if you get Neil Pionk, who I believe isn't playing Thursday, so he's not the best example. We're going to name a few defensemen as we go through. I promise we're not just going to keep mentioning Neil Pionk all the way, though we will be talking about him more directly soon. But yeah, there's other defensemen who I just, I don't know. I get very, it's like a Vancouver player. You know, Alex Edler was on such a good run, but it's really hard to recommend him for offense when the Canucks barely score goals. I feel like this might be the same situation in Calgary. You talk about Jonathan Quick like he has not had a sub-900 save percentage in three of his last four games and five of his last ten. So, like, he's not an impenetrable Nerd. (laughs) You get the point. (laughs) Jonathan Quick actually is letting five goals. I guess that is our whole podcast. That's fair. Okay. Uh, Next team with injuries. Let's go to the Rangers. I don't, we don't really have an injury here. Henrik Lundqvist has missed last couple of games for the Rangers, the back injury. Apparently skated on Saturday, could play on Monday. We'll find out maybe tomorrow morning. In the meantime, they don't need to rush Lundqvist back because first of all, these games don't matter. They're probably better off tanking and maybe getting a better draft pick. And also Alexander Georgiev, has been awesome. Like, I feel like people should really be hovering their cursors over Georgiev's ad button just in case news comes out that Lundqvist won't play because he's been great. Like, Georgiev had a great win over Buffalo yesterday. He stopped 43 of 44. In nine games now, Georgiev has four wins, one overtime loss, and a 926 save percentage. And this is on a Rangers team that traded everyone, was supposed to just be a disaster. He's able to win half of the games and put up a great save percentage for you. I, If it's me, like if I'm a Lundqvist owner, I don't want him. He's been terrible. I want Lundqvist not to play then I would grab Georgiev. So, Brian, I guess my question to you is, is it worth grabbing Georgiev just in case Lundqvist back injury ends up flaring up? Or or maybe it's more of advice just like watch tomorrow and see what happens. The downside, of course, to adding this Rangers backup is that the Rangers play Washington on both Monday and Wednesday and then Tampa Bay on Friday. So it's not going to be an easy schedule for him. Hey, lots of shots against. We'll see if he'll be able to keep up that save percentage against really tough competition. Right, like Especially, let's say, if you have Mike Smith, and news comes out that Lungfist is out, I'd be curious to know if you would make that swap Georgiev for Mike Smith. Georgiev has been really impressive after we sort of just gave him a shrug a little while ago when we brought him up on the show for the first time. But now Georgiev has started eight games this year. Six of those have seen him finish with a save percentage of 925 or higher. The complicating factor in adding him, even if Lungfist stays out though, is that Andre Pavlik is healthy. So maybe Pavlik gets into one of the next two games if Henrik Lundqvist isn't healthy enough to get in one of them himself. If you told me Georgiev would be guaranteed to get both starts, though, I would probably be pretty interested in giving him a go. Remember that the Rangers are not the most solid team defensively, so Georgiev has to play really well to avoid just being slaughtered and save percentage and goals against. So there's a risk there. 
but early returns on him, pretty good. And like, it's fun to ride these no name guys when they're hot hands early in their careers, too. That's a part of it. I guess so. I mean, I don't care about fun right now. I want to win my league if I'm in the finals. I, I have a, I'm in a weekly league. It's actually, the, you're in a similar league that if I could make it to the finals, and that's actually going to ride a lot on Kari Lettinen beating Vancouver today. And it's right now two to one for Vancouver. So I'm kind of frustrated about that. But regardless, if I make it to the finals, I have to pick a goalie to ride for the whole two weeks. There's no roster changes. Like your roster locks tomorrow. It would be too risky to play either Lundqvist or Georgiev, right? Just because we don't know which one's going to play. One of them might end up playing all the games. They might be splitting at 50 50 i kind of feel like there's no way to know yeah and don't forget pavlik they have three goalies potentially to cycle through and i have no idea where their priorities lay so i would be very nervous about starting georgiev in a weekly league where you can't swap him out if he's not the guy starting yeah i feel like for sure they'll play georgiev over pavlik that would be really weird for them to then play pavlik but i guess you never know i hear what you're saying but anyways yeah, pavlik has been out for a while they probably want him to get a game in. he's the one that was supposed to be the legit number two who could spell Lundqvist. So you think they might want to use him or at least see what he's got in the tank for the last, I don't know, eight games of the season. Sure. I guess, yeah, you're right. It, it, who knows? It doesn't really matter to them. Maybe it's better for them to lose anyways. No better way to improve your chances of losing than to play Andre Pavlik, of course. <laughs> uh, so speaking of the Rangers and speaking of this guy, Neil Pionk, we mentioned him last week. We've already said his name a bunch this week. How can we not, right? If he's still available at this point, last week we were like saying he's good. Now I feel like he's a must add. The Rangers have already have a great schedule next week. They're playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, like I said. And Pionk has extended his points to seven games now with his one goal, one assist game versus Buffalo yesterday. In those seven games he has one goal and nine assists four of those assists have been power play assists he's on the top power play like what like i can't think of one good reason not to add neil pionk right now if you need a defenseman or even if you don't like he's getting all these power play points the rangers are scoring a lot of goals and he's in on a lot of them i can give you one reason not to add neil pionk and that's that kevin shattenkirk participated in a full practice just two days ago on friday and shattenkirk's return would surely mark the end of pionk's top power play reign but until that happens i have zero reservations about adding pionk over this point streak that he's got going it's not even looking like it's all been luck five primary points five secondary points a very healthy ratio good for pionk add him as long as shattenkirk is not in the lineup Okay, yeah, that makes it. So again, a little bit risky in a weekly league where your lineups lock, but definitely if you could add him, get like Monday, Wednesday, and see what happens by Friday, I think you're going to be in good shape. And then, of course, on the Rangers, like I said, they have a great schedule. You've got the top line as a bandage at Kreider and Fast. We've talked about them all last week. They're still doing just as well, producing like gangbusters. Lots of great ad options on the Rangers for your final. So take a look. You could get a lot of games played on off days from them. Next injury, I wanted to mention quickly, Mike Green is undergoing surgery on a cervical spine and will be out for the rest of the season. I guess teams were smart not to trade for him at the trade deadline some people thought it was weird that Detroit didn't trade him to a contender but obviously if he's gonna have health issues then the other teams were smart not to go for him it'll be interesting to see if and where he signs in the offseason I'm sure he'll sign somewhere he's an unrestricted free agent I don't know what kind of like appetite there will be for people to sign Mike Green who's already had all these injury troubles and now is having the surgery I imagine there's no fantasy impact here like we're not going to start recommending for people to add Nick Cronwall or Daly or Nick Jensen I assume like you were snoozing if you were holding Mike Green anyway so I don't even know why I'm bringing up Detroit I just feel like we don't ever talk about them so I feel like we should at least give them some play on the show they have a good schedule next week they have four games they're playing Monday 
Wednesday against Montreal, Tuesday against Pittsburgh, Thursday against Buffalo, Saturday versus Ottawa. These are lots of teams that they'll be able to score goals against, right? Like Montreal, Buffalo, Ottawa. These teams are not known for their defense. So I feel like we should be recommending for people to add a Detroit Red Wing if there's one available in free agency. I guess the top pick would be Dylan Larkin. He had two goals and an assist versus Philly on Tuesday, a goal versus Toronto yesterday. He has 54 points in 75 games on the year. If he's not available, though, who's the next best pick? Like Zetterberg, Mantha, Nyquist? Like, I love the four games. I love the opponents. But it's hard for me to get too excited about these guys. Like, who do you say is the number one Detroit Red Wing ad right now if someone wants to take advantage of this great schedule? Okay, starting at the blue line with Mike Green out. You're right, you were snoozing if you had him. Elon, the reason we don't talk about Detroit very much is because they just aren't scoring a lot of goals. There is one guy you want, and that is Dylan Larkin. Can't recommend that you go and get Daly or Cronwall unless you're in a very deep league. Uh, but you're in dire straits if those are your best replacement options. I'd rather even add a forward. Like Detroit has a great schedule, so you might be able to get rid of someone like Daly or Cronwall or the, the forwards that I'm about to list. But I'd rather have a forward who plays like one or two fewer games than any of these guys on Detroit that I'm about to talk about. Except for Dylan Larkin, uh, over seven games in two weeks. The only Detroit Red Wings above half a point per game are Dylan Larkin with five points in seven games. Nyquist has four points and a too high shooting percentage. Zetterberg has four points and just 11 shots. And Tyler Bertuzzi is the other one with four points as well in his last seven. One thing hamstringing all of the Red Wings is that as a team, they've scored just 12 goals in their last seven games. So there aren't a lot of points to be going around. So maybe... Detroit will score a little more and give these guys a little more value. But again, uh, maybe they won't. They've had a heck of a time scoring more than two goals in any game for like weeks now. So again, aside from Larkin, it's hard to be excited about any of these guys. I'd rather have someone who plays two or three times than add a Red Wing who's going to play four times for me and really be a crapshoot to do anything at all. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you have to take a look at these last few games because, like I said, they're playing Montreal, Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, by the way, Matt Murray's back. He had not a great game today. He got the win, letting four goals. Then they're playing and Buffalo and Ottawa. Like I feel like Detroit's going to score more goals than they have before just because of the strength of schedule. Give me, I don't know, Mantha. But, like, I don't, I, I, I agree with you just because it's so hard to know which one to pick. I feel like there's going to be value there. Someone on the Red Wings is going to be someone's fantasy finals MVP. That's my prediction, but I don't know exactly who it'll be. Maybe you just go Zetterberg since he is the biggest name and he gets a lot of ice time and good like deployment. Yeah. Elon, do you have any? So yeah, I agree. Larkin and then Zetterberg and then eh, uh, Nyquist, I guess. But still, you're digging deep if you're going for a Red Wing. Elon, what do you think about Tyler Bertuzzi? Any thoughts? Well, let me check quickly because you didn't mention his line. Like, obviously, I feel like it depends a lot on if he's getting top power play time. That's always my thing. So, Petruzzi's been playing on line one with Zetterberg and Nyquist. If you want to call it line one, then Larkin's been with Mantha and Darren Helm. And in terms of power play, we've been seeing, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know if I'd go with Tyler Petruzzi. I think I'd go Henrik Zetterberg or Gustav Nyquist before Tyler Petruzzi. Yeah. How much good deployment is there really available in Detroit anyway? Yeah, good point. And hey, you know, Detroit, they're one of these teams, they don't have much to play for, but it would be fun maybe if you're in Detroit to go and see one of these young players like Tyler Bertuzzi. You can at least scout for the future. Same with a lot of NHL teams who are out. Of course, the best is to go see a game for a team that's in the playoff hunt or maybe already locked into the playoffs. You want to see how they're looking for a playoff run. And what better way to go see a game live than to buy your tickets with our sponsor for this week's episode, which are our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is such a convenient and easy way to get tickets to sporting events and 
concerts and all the things that you might want to go to. You know, I personally have a lot of fun just going to SeatGeek and seeing like what's happening tomorrow. Like I don't have kids. My life is pretty sweet. So I could just search, see, find out a good value ticket for something the next day and surprise the wife. Hey, guess what? We're going to this thing. It's a lot of fun. Usually if I say we're going to go to a Leafs game, she might not be as excited, but hey, depends on who's going. All the stuff is available on SeatGeek. So definitely check it out. They save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Brian, I think people should make SeatGeek their go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket. And if they don't even like those deals, you're going to see some good deals. We've got an even better deal for you just because you're a listener of Keeping Carlson. Yes, Elon, that is true. Our listeners need only download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code KEEPING. That's promo code KEEPING for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And when you have the app, it's pretty easy to just check out ticket prices anytime you want. I do it if I'm thinking of going to an event. Just crack open my SeatGeek app, take a look, see what's out there all the time. And it's even better if you haven't bought with them before because you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase with the promo code KEEPING. Okay, with that, let's go to Chicago, talk about the next injury, which is Jonathan Taves, who has an upper body injury. He's expected to miss a few games. We don't know how long he'll be out. Chicago only has three games next week. They're on Monday, Thursday, and Friday. So theoretically, you can add a hawk get three games, and then swap that person out for someone else who's playing a couple games on the weekend. So, you know, by the way, sometimes when you look at the schedules, you think, oh, three games, not a good schedule. If you have three games before Friday, I think that's pretty good just because you have the flexibility to add someone else. So maybe we can look and see if there's some value on Chicago with Jonathan Taves out. But, I mean, kind of hard to say. Like, the top line is currently Patrick Kane with Debrinket and Saad. Those are the guys who have joined Kane. So you think maybe the prime suspects of the players who you might want to add are Debrinket and Saad. They've both been pretty disappointed. I mean, Debrinket's just a rookie. A lot of people had high hopes. He did not meet them. Brandon Saad was drafted in pretty much all leagues and was a huge disappointment, though. Hey, he scored a goal yesterday on four shots in the 3-1 win over the Islanders. He also had an assist and took seven shots on Thursday versus Vancouver. So, Brian, is it possible that Brandon Saad, after being a disappointment all year, could wind up being very valuable to someone in their finals if they pick him up. What kind of cool kismet would that be? If, especially if the person you're playing is the person who dropped Brandon Saad, then you add him, then he has a good week. Mwah, that'd be so beautiful. So I don't know. What do you think? Is there any chance Saad can be valuable this week now that he's playing with Patrick Kane? It's a really good linemate to have. Uh, I guess you might as well also answer about Debrinkit. He had a hat trick two weeks ago. Nothing in three games this past week. So I'd imagine Saad might be the only guy. Like there's Anisimov, Schmaltz, Sharp, Gustafsson who have been on the top power play with Kane for some reason to bring it inside, get to play with them only at even strength, not on the power play. Uh, what do you think of all these guys? Would you want any of them? Well, what about Brent Seabrook, Elon, who I saw you're ready to talk about? He's on my list. I'll tell you that Brandon Saad is someone that I'm absolutely interested in. He's a good hockey player, totally snake bitten. I think, I feel like what happened to Jordan Eberle from last year to this year could happen for Brandon Saad too. Uh, just awful luck. Things are not breaking his way. Also, uh, Jonathan Taze wasn't even really going until the last few weeks. So it's uh, it's been a rough go for him. And I think he's got more to offer than what's shown in his numbers. So yeah, go ahead and add him for now. And then maybe get him at a discount in next year's draft. Early draft tip. And then Eric Gustafsson is somebody that I'm into seeing those top power play duties. Uh, he's got shots on goal, which are great. But Brent Seabrook also putting up points lately, and he has the blocks. He's on power play two with Duncan Keith. Look, I don't love either Chicago power play guy because that power play has been a mess more often than not this year. But if you're looking for a depth defenseman, you could certainly do worse. Like I, I would have preferred them over Grizzlick 
playing in Boston. Right, that's fair. But Neil Pionk still beats Brent Seabrook, right? No Absolutely. question. No question. But yeah, Seabrook, yeah, three-game point streak right now, still blocking a bunch of shots. So I guess while he's on a point streak, you might as well add him if you need a defenseman and if you also need blocks. Okay, these injuries, Brian, they're depressing. Let's go to some outjuries, though we're just going to continue to be depressed, especially Matthew here in the chat room, because let's talk about the grand heralded return of Carey Price to the Montreal Canadiens. And by grand and heralded, I do, of course, mean that he's been absolutely terrible. Five goals against on 39 shots in the 5-3 loss to Pittsburgh, and then six goals against on 30 shots yesterday versus Washington. Meanwhile, Anthony Yemi got the easy start and the shutout versus Buffalo on Friday. So, like, let's be real here. People should drop Carey Price, right? Like, if not now, then at least after the game versus Detroit on Monday. Maybe you're listening to this show, you have Price. Hopefully, you he could put up a decent game against Detroit on Monday. After that, the halves play. Not again until Saturday against Pittsburgh and then Sunday versus New Jersey. And I'd expect Niemi to maybe get the second half of that back-to-back in the easier game versus New Jersey. So are you really going to hold Carey Price after Monday's game versus Detroit in your finals just to have him at Pittsburgh on Saturday? I don't think so. Either you cut bait on Carey Price, you grab someone like Letnin or Grubauer or Georgiev or Kincaid or Reimer. Like some of these guys we're going to talk about later. Do you concur with me, Brian? Can we finally put to rest all this Carey Price stuff and say, drop him, he sucks. Yes, this is where we're at with Carey Price. It's uh, It's been a really, really sad year. And then there was like still that hope that if he came back, he could put it together. And no, he can't. Uh, so like, I don't know if you're looking at all the other goalies that are available out there. I don't know that I like Carey Price less than Kari Lettinen, but I would still want guys like Grubauer, Georgiev above Price. Keith Kincaid probably. Uh, yeah, I'll take him too over Carey Price, who is a free agent in one of my shallower leagues, and no one's even thought about grabbing him. Yeah, well, I guess you don't know that for sure. Maybe someone's thought about it, but definitely (laughs) I would not have. Actually, okay, I actually thought about (laughs) grabbing him, but the thought did not last very long. How about that? Right. Yeah, I know for you it's hard because you always like to really hang on to the past performance, and for good reason. Oftentimes, past performance predicts the future, but this year, the Habs, all season long, it's been clear that something's been wrong, especially once Shea Weber got injured. I don't know if that actually made that big of a difference, but the Habs... Nah, not great. Like one bright spot for Montreal has been Brendan Gallagher. He's on a three-game point streak. He's tied his career high of 47 points with his goal yesterday versus Washington. So I feel like he's a guy, if he's available in free agency, he's probably not. He's been really good. But if you could grab him on the weekend for the Saturday and Sunday games, that would be great. Maybe a more likely player to be in free agency who might be valuable to you right at the end of your matchup could be Jonathan Druin who has been a massive bust this year. He's another Brandon Saad, right? Someone that was drafted in every league with high expectations and might have been dropped in a lot of leagues. But Drew is riding a three-game point streak right now, and he has those two weekend games, so he might also be someone to grab and hope that he could just give you a little bit of value in a disappointing season. But I feel like pretty much it's fair to say Gallagher's been the only bright spot on the Habs this season, right? Like maybe Jeff Petrie, but I can't think of anyone else. I can think of someone else named Alex Galchenyuk, you might not have thought about a lot lately because he's been super streaky, uh, but he has one goal, five assists for six points in his last eight games, two power play points amongst those. And Galchenyuk is actually scoring at a 59 point pace since late November. So quietly. And again, this is because he'll get like four points in a night and then go quiet and then uh, string a few games together of points and then go quiet again. But it's added up 
So a very nice point pace. Uh, the actual numbers, 13 goals, 25 assists for 38 points in Galchenyuk's last 53 games, 16 power play points in that stretch, and averaging almost three shots per game to go with that. Again, Alex Galchenyuk scoring at a near 60-point pace for like almost four months now. So would you take Galchenyuk over Druin for this final week? I feel like their fates are rather closely tied. Uh, I want to. But I don't think it would be wise. I think I, I, I would still go with Druin for reasons unknown. I just feel like Galchenyuk still isn't liked in Montreal, even though he's producing. Maybe I'm out of touch. Maybe well, I should go Galchenyuk. Who would you take? I think I would go Druin just because he's playing with Gallagher. And here's where we've gotten where the guy Gallagher, who like wasn't even owned in a lot of leagues by the end of last season. Now I kind of like, oh, at least Druin's playing with Gallagher and Paul Byron. Galchenyuk's playing with Lekkonen, who you recommended last week. Didn't end up doing that much. He got an assist in one of the games for what it's worth. But it was, yeah, so it's Galchenyuk, Lekkonen, and Jacob De La Rose. And then the top power play, Druin, Galchenyuk, Gallagher, Byron, and Petrie. And yeah, so I don't know, maybe it doesn't, like, it's such a coin flip at this point at the end of the week. Grab a Hab, see what you can do, or just maybe don't grab a Hab at all, move on. Grab a Detroit Red Wing. I think I'd rather one of them potentially, but it depends on really? who they're playing. Like I'd take Zetterberg over Galchenyuk for next week. I don't know that I would. That would be closer for me. Yeah, well, we'll uh, see how it goes. And, and I say this as a Zetterberg owner. Actually, I blew a significant amount of my free agent budget bidding on him when he became available and uh, he's done precious little for me on my roster. Like, not only not getting points, but 11 shots in seven games? Come on, Henrik. Yeah, I guess I'm just saying for Detroit, at least they have a good schedule next week against easy to score against teams. That's what I'm hanging my hat on. I'm hoping that Detroit gets a game against against Carey Price so he can score a whole bunch of goals. True. Yeah, uh, we should maybe be more accountable. I don't know. These things that we talk about, we forget it already by the next week. We should do a, I don't know, we have to figure out, listeners, let us know, if, or you maybe you could keep us accountable. Every, you definitely let us know. Someone tweeted at me just yesterday about how like, hey, remember how Keeping Carlson said Connor McDavid's not going to catch up in the scoring leads? It's like, thanks for that. So I guess you were getting what we asked for, but let us know. Like, for example, this Lekkanen thing. Brian, what were you thinking? Arturi Lekkanen. He was on a streak. Generally, we just tell you guys streaks and then it's up to you to make the decision, right? Well, yeah, we also add some helpful context. I, I feel like you're short. I feel like he got a goal uh, since we, yeah, he had a goal two okay. games ago. That's but nice. His, but we were, we, I was big on his shots and he's had two games with zero shots in his last four. Like they suddenly dried up after he had seven, two, four, five, three in the previous five games. I'm like, oh yeah, that's enough to recommend him for taking shots. And then boom, four shots over four games two with zero in total. And that's with seeing, I think it's a season high 19 minutes and 40 seconds in one of those games. Like he's been seeing minutes and uh, not shooting anymore. Bummer. So yeah, here you go. One of the best fantasy experts in the finals of the Kakupful tier one Sweden. It's still very hard for you to predict. I guess, I think a lesson here is even though a player has been taking a bunch of shots over the last couple of weeks, probably not worth assuming he'll be able to keep it up if he hasn't done it like for the whole season before that. I guess Lekkonen was okay, but he's never been that special. Anyways, we can't spend too much time on a Turi Lekkonen because we have to go to a much more significant outjury than Carey Price. And that is Austin Matthews for the Leafs. He finally returned versus Nashville on Thursday. Didn't waste any time getting back on the score sheet. He scored a goal versus Nashville. He had an assist yesterday versus Detroit. I think this is huge news for William Nylander, who got his centerman back. If Nylander was dropped, now's definitely the time to re-add him. He had a goal and five shots in each of the last games with Matthews back, and he wasn't doing very much beforehand. And now Toronto also has a great schedule next week. They play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. The first three games are against Buffalo, Florida, and the Islanders, teams that you think they'd be able to score against. 
You do the math. If somehow Nylander is available in free agency, if he was dropped when Matthews, you know, got injured, then yeah, grab him. But maybe this is like silly advice and no one's going to be able to take advantage of it because he's probably owned in most leagues. Like the thing is pretty, everything's pretty much back to normal now with Matthews back. So they reunited the Marner, Marlowe, Kadri line. Marner, by the way, is riding an eight game point streak. He's been amazing. JVR is actually on an amazing run. He has 11 points in his last six games, four of those on the power play. And he's been playing with Bozak and Brown. So it might be tough for him to continue getting points at even strength, but hard to not recommend JVR, but he's probably not available in any league either. So I guess if you have any, of these Leafs you hold on because they have a great schedule and they're hot but I don't really know who we can recommend here that might be of use I guess it'd be like Zach Hyman since he's on line one with Austin Matthews and William Nylander but he hasn't done, have any points in his last couple of games but I imagine he'll pick up one or two over the next week with the Leafs playing four times and him playing on a line with Austin Matthews right at least he's at least a half point per game guy yeah, so look at Hyman, one player you already mentioned, but you glossed right over. How about Tyler Bozak as another depth leaf to look at? He's been riding shotgun on James Van Reem's Dyke's fantastic run, and he has a goal, seven assists, and eight points in his last seven games, 15 shots, so averaging just over two per game, and three power play points in those seven games. I think I still like line one Hyman better than Bozak, but Bozak could be worth uh, a tryout for as long as James Van Reem's Dyke is red hot which, by the way, unlikely to continue at quite this pace for James Van Riemsdyk. Eight goals on his last 25 shots. Now, three of those goals for Van Riemsdyk have been on the power play, which are generally higher percentage chances, but still uh, too many goals on not enough shots. Uh, But uh, where am I going with this? Yeah, so maybe be a little cooler to Bozak because you're expecting JVR to cool down himself. But if you can get Hyman on that great Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule, absolutely. Yeah, especially because, again, those games against Buffalo, Florida. Like, Florida's good if Luongo plays. Luongo has a bit of an injury, but they're thinking he might be back by Monday. So, see, but especially if you get, like, Reimer and then also Buffalo and the Islanders, there might be a lot of goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs in those games. Uh, next outjury, let's go to Tampa. Andre Palat is finally back right back to his really solid line two deployment with Point and Tyler Johnson, also on the second power play. Palat had nothing versus Toronto in his return on Tuesday, but he had an assist against the Islanders on Thursday, and then a power play goal in New Jersey yesterday. Tampa also has a nice schedule next week. They're playing Monday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. So maybe you don't want to grab Palat if he's available for Monday because then you have to wait all the way till his next game on Thursday. But if you can get Thursday, Friday, Sunday, three games and four nights, including two off-day games, definitely worth looking at. He might have been dropped in your league when he got injured. He's in a really good spot. I'd expect him to... I don't know, in three games, get two points. I think that's a reasonable expectation. Who knows? Maybe he could give you more. Obviously, the main guy I'd want in Tampa, this is again repeating from last week, JT Miller still on the top line and top power plays. So same advice there. You definitely want him as long as he's there. And Brian, I know I'll just pile a bunch of players on you, then you can talk about who you want. I also wanted to bring up Mikhail Sergachev. He's heating up. He has a three-game point streak, including power play assists in each of his last two games. I feel like early in the season... Zirkachev was so valuable. We were like saying everyone needs to add him. He's basically in the same spot now as he was earlier in the year, you know, manning the second power play and getting decent ice time. So do you think people should maybe jump on Zirkachev now that he's doing stuff again, especially with Tampa having a good schedule next week? Maybe a Zirkachev versus Pionk discussion is in order. Yeah, it wouldn't be a very long discussion. For as long as Shattenkirk is out, I would like Pionk. It's nice to see Sergachev picking up his game again. Still on the second power play unit, though, so it's going to be hard to keep up putting power play points the way he has over his last few games. JT Miller, by the way, so good. He's really as valuable a player on your roster right now as Vladislav Nemesnikov was earlier this year while he was on the top line for, what, 35, 40, 45 games? It was a long time. I wonder if the Rangers think they won 
that part of the swap or not, getting Nemesnikov, giving Miller. Both have done amazing in that spot in Tampa. So I'm curious to know what the skill level difference is between them, to be quite honest. And what about Palat? Are you into him? Into Palat. Yeah. That was a ridiculous way to say it, but I meant it. Yeah, also he hits a little bit sometimes, so he could help you in your bangers and mash league as well. Definitely take a look for him, like I said, for the end of the week. Get that Thursday, Friday, Sunday from any of these Tampa guys if you can get them. Okay, next, Outry, Vladimir Tarasenko, returned for the Blues after missing a couple of games. He had a goal and two shots in each of his games back with the team. So there you go. Tarasenko is back, scoring goals. Don't look now. St. Louis is currently on a five-game winning streak, and they're right in the hunt for a wild card spot, even after trading Stasny at the deadline. Remember last year, they traded Shattenkirk at the deadline, then they still made the playoffs and even got past the first round. I wonder if that will happen again. If you recall last year, a big reason why they got through the first round is because Jake Allen stood on his head and he's doing it again right now. He's put up three straight amazing one goal against games. And he's another guy you could throw on the list of disappointments overall on the year, but that might be coming up big when it counts the most for you in your playoffs. If you held on to Jake Allen throughout all this Carter Hutton business and him being so terrible right now, he seems to be rolling. St. Louis seems to be rolling. Unfortunately, I don't really see, again, kind of like with Toronto, I don't really see any fantasy relevant tidbits to give people like I think all the players who I expect to do well on St. Louis are already owned in most leagues like Tarasenko is back and playing with Schwartz and Shannon even strength and with those guys and Steen and Petrangelo on the top power play I can't think of anyone else relevant to mention on St. Louis that will be available maybe Steen is available so I don't know, you could look for him if he's going to be on the top power play if he's there so I don't know but also by the by the Brian how annoying is it that Alex Petrangelo got back on the top power play just in time for our joint league semifinals. He had been doing nothing for a long time, and it was, what was that guy's name? I always forget. Vince Dunn. Oh, yeah. What's was, his name, as you would call him? Vince Dunn, whose name I, for some reason, always forget on the top power play. But then Petrangelo got back just for our opponent to get three goals and four assists in one weekend and knocked us out. And we, we lost by, like, an assist. Like, if, we if he would have just not gotten one of those seven points in two games. Ugh, I hate Alex Petrangelo. He is on my poop list right now. He's one of my least favorite players. Anyways, anything to say about St. Louis? Well, first off, we like deserved that. I mean, we deserve to win. I still think, but uh, like he should be on the top power play, right? That's that's where he belongs. So it's not like oh, he suddenly got back up there. He was there. Uh, any other St. Louis Blues to consider? Well, Patrick Berglund has scored three goals on his last seven shots. So uh, that's contributed to a run where he has four points in his last five games. Sabatka also has five points in his last seven, but I don't think that's sustainable for either one of them. Uh, So I would prefer Steen uh, probably after uh, the Tarasenko, Petrangelo, Shen, Schwartz. Uh, The one St. Louis Blue I might consider if you're looking to add Steen and you're thinking if there's any other Blue you might want on your team, depending on your scoring format, if you're looking for peripherals, how about Colton Pareko, who's quietly picking up a few shots and uh, pretty much a couple blocks per game on average over the last two weeks. And he's actually been on that kind of pace for at least the last month. It's a shame that Pareko's not getting more points, but he's always got a half-decent shot of putting something on the board in the points column, and you know he's going to help you in shots and blocks. Playing huge minutes lately, too. Such 26 minutes the other night. Uh, so if you're looking for peripherals, I think he might be more helpful than Steen. But if you're looking for scoring, then I would still prefer Alexander Steen. 
Yeah, that's fair. I'd say Lewis has a crappy schedule next week. They'll play Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. So maybe you get the Friday game. Then probably whoever you add won't even fit in your schedule for the other days. Colton Pareko is an interesting guy. He will have to talk about in the offseason. Every offseason, people think maybe this is going to be the year that he's going to take over on the top power play. Even when Petrangelo got bumped, it was Vince Dunn there. So I don't know how high people will be on Colton Pareko for next year's drafts. He'll be a fun guy to look into during our summer series, which, by the way, we're going to keep making episodes of Keeping Carlson. Maybe not every week, maybe every second week, but we're going to keep producing content for you to get you through the whole offseason. Let's not even think about the offseason right now. We're still focused on our playoffs here. Let's go to the next outjury in Columbus. Seth Jones is back for the Blue Jackets. He missed three games right back to the top power play. Scored a power play goal in his return on Thursday. Zach Wierenski has got to be a snoozer for next week, I'd assume, playing. Like, first of all, the Blue Jackets played Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And especially if Wierenski was in free agency before. Like, when Seth Jones got injured, we said, I guess, go grab Wierenski now because he's going to take the top power play spot. Now that Jones is back, I don't see any reason to hold on to Zach Wierenski as, like, the second unit power play guy on a team that's only playing three games all the busy days of the week. So I think let him go. And then also on Columbus last week, we said that Dubois was Dubois or something. We tried to make a pun there. And I thought he was due because he was playing on the top line and top power play with Panarin and Atkinson and company. But it looks like Dubois has been bumped. He, like, he did actually put up two assists versus Florida on Thursday. So at least we can say that we didn't you know, screw you over if you did add him. Two points over the week isn't the worst thing. But at this point now, I'd say Dubois is another snoozer, just like Zach Wierenski, because he's been bumped from the line one and top power play by Nick Foligno. So Dubois is like down to the the third line or whatever forget about him especially with the bad schedule Felino's done nothing in the two games since his promotion to the top power play he did have a three game point streak before that to earn it though i'd imagine we're probably not going to recommend adding nick Felino either because of this week's schedule i mean i guess if your league counts hits and you have room for nick Felino, it's a really great spot to be on line one and power play one with panarin and atkinson though i don't even know if he'll last there maybe things are going to get jumbled around again so brian what's your take on this top line situation in columbus and then maybe i'll also talk about the second line quickly the problem with Felino and Dubois is that they have not shown any measure of consistent scoring for like a while now. Both have definitely teased. Dubois uh, seemed like he had a pretty high ceiling. At one point, he was really rolling. That was when he was playing, with, I think it was Josh Anderson and Artemi Panarin. Uh, Felino's teased a little more recently, but even while Columbus rolls, uh, I still don't feel like either guy is guaranteed to get in on the action. I'd like to see Felino is worth holding in his deployment. But I thought that a few weeks ago for my Cupful team and felt the resulting burn. Uh, so that's a personal thing that I'm just not into Felino for. Maybe you can give him a longer leash than I'm willing to offer. Doesn't mean at all that Felino is not going to be able to carry forward some of the momentum he's built up recently. But I might have more faith in someone like Ty Ratty continuing to put up numbers with Connor McDavid than Felino managing scoring even when he's on line one. Yeah, I definitely agree. Ty Ratty, it's the McDavid rule. We've discussed it. We'll get into, I think, him again at the end of this week's show, just like we did at the end of last week's show. You want to have the player playing with McDavid. So yeah, Ty Ratty, give me him over Nick Foligno for as long as he's playing on the top line. Let's take a look at this Columbus second line. We're actually getting some production here. Forget about Foligno and Dubois. Would it be crazy to recommend someone like Boone Jenner or Thomas Vanek? Like, they've been playing together on line two with Wenberg, and they've been seeing some points. Like, Thomas Vanek is the hottest right now of, like, all of these guys, except for, of course, Panarin and Atkinson, who are amazing. I wouldn't even get into them. But you guys all know that you want to have those guys. But Vanek, he's got nine points in his last nine games. So he's on a really great run. Boone Jenner had a six-game point streak before going pointless in his last three. But he does have four shots in each of his last two games. And Jenner's always great because he's going to give you shots. He's going to give you hits. And he did have a stretch of finally putting up some points. Who knows if he'll be able to get those points again. Are you into either of these guys, Boone Jenner or Thomas Vanek? 
I am into Boone Jenner scoring a little more than he should. And like, it's not going to hold, but three shots per game is a pretty good way to make a mark by Boone Jenner on any given night. And when you take three shots per game, you know, sometimes you get on a hot run like this. Thomas Vanek also turning into a higher volume shooter since moving to Columbus, averaging three shots per game over Vanek's last few and saw 18 minutes and 49 seconds of ice time in Columbus's most recent game, which gives him his highest total as a Blue Jacket and his second highest total of ice time all season long. The thing with either Jenner or Vanek is I don't really trust either one or Wenberg, the third piece of their line, to keep generating offense. So without a key offensive piece on that line to really get things moving and get scoring generated, it's hard to bet a lot on scoring to continue just on the merits of Jenner, Vanek, or Wenberg alone. Yeah, that's fair. And especially with a bad schedule, you probably just want to steer clear, even though it's interesting to look at this hot streak happening. Okay, I said that we won't talk about him, but let's just mention quickly, Cam Atkinson has 17 points in his last 15 games. Such an amazing run for him. If anyone added him, he was probably dropped in free agency at some point because he was doing nothing at the start of the year. But now, top line, top power play with Panarin taking full advantage. He had eight shots yesterday. I'm talking about Atkinson. Fantastic. Brian, I know it's not the offseason, but I'm just so curious to know where you're going to peg Atkinson for next year because you called him nothing more than a 55-point guy during the offseason. And if you look at the raw numbers, like, you're right. Atkinson only has 38 points in 60 games, even with this streak, which only gives him a 52-point pace. But it's hard not to predict that he'll be better overall next year after we've seen what he can do when he gets rolling. So what do you think right now? Is Atkinson better than the 55-point guy that you thought he would be going into the year? Or is he just on a good hot run now? But if you know the season were to go for another few months, he'd probably go cold again. Could be a bit of both, Elon. I've benefited from Cam Atkinson's run in a couple leagues. Lately, the most amazing part of it, six goals all at even strength on his last 29 shots, which is a 21% shooting percentage when you round it up. Uh, So that's not great to think that it's going to continue. He's generally been shooting 10% this year, which means he would only have half as many as those six goals. Uh, But what I do like about Atkinson's most recent run is that 29 shots the, the 29 shots I just referenced have come in Atkinson's last six games, only six games to get 29 shots. Cam Atkinson is currently on pace for 227 shots on goal for the whole season, which would rank the second highest full season total of his career. And the catch in all this is that that is in just 66 games. And Atkinson has played 82 games for the last four seasons. And this would still be his second highest mark ever. If Atkinson were to play 82 games this year, he'd be on pace to eclipse his career high of 240 shots by about 42 more shots on goal, which is like pretty close to elite shot on goal getter status. So that's a real promising thing from Cam Atkinson that could inch him closer to 60 points in my mind, but he's not quite established himself there yet. Okay, so we'll have to again bring him up at some point. But Atkinson, man, what a great ad if you got him when he just started this run. Okay, let's now move away from our outjuries. Let's go to some hot and cold streaks as we start to wind down. But don't worry, we've got a lot of names to throw at you. Let's go right to Arizona for the hot streaks, though. You very likely want to grab someone on the top line and top power play in Arizona if these guys are available. I'm, of course, specifically talking about Derek Stepan, Clayton Keller, Richard Panic. I don't know who's available in your leagues. Let's just go through all of them. Keep in mind, Arizona has a great schedule next week to play Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So lots of chances for these guys to put up points, especially during their three games in four nights to start the week. So you could always grab a Coyote and then consider dropping him after Thursday, after you get those three games. So Derek Stepan, 14 points in his last 12 games. Amazing. Clayton Keller, 15 points in his last 13 games. 
game. So both of these guys have been above a point per game for the past couple of weeks at least. Then you have Richard Panic playing with them, obviously benefiting. He has five points in his last five games. Stepan and Keller seem obvious at this point. If they're not owned in your league, you have to start wondering if it's maybe a bit of a clown league, especially with the great schedule next week. You have to have Stepan or Keller, I think. But Brian, is Richard Panic? is this production sustainable? Three of these five points that he's had in his last five games have been goals. They've only come on nine shots. So I know normally you would say that's not a sustainable shooting percentage, but he's playing with these great players. So he seems like he must still be worth adding regardless of the fact that he's maybe scoring on too many of his shots. The goal scoring aspect of Richard Panic's recent run is probably not guaranteed to stay, but I did miss a great opportunity last week to share with our listeners when we were talking about Keller and Stepan and how great they were then and how now we can say it's continued. Uh, but when we talked about that, I neglected to mention that Richard Panic had found his way onto the top line and top power play in Arizona to play with both those guys. And for that reason, I feel like some measure of Panic's production could continue for the next week, even if his particular goal scoring pace is unsustainable this certainly would not make the first time we've seen Richard Panic put up points while filling out a top line right so why why shouldn't it happen again if he's got two line mates who are talented and clicking and on a roll yeah take a look grab Richard Panic. I think he might be a good ad for your finals at least try out him for a couple of games and then you could reassess after Wednesday especially if he's not going to fit in your lineup on Thursday Brian also can you explain to me why did Antti Ranta not play yesterday the guy has a 953 save percentage over the last month and that's like six games five wins in those last six games for Arizona Antti Ranta has been unbelievable and yet he was sat on the second half of a back-to-back on Thursday for Darcy Camper so that's fair Ranta played Wednesday played amazing of course Camper got the Thursday game but how can you explain why Kemper then got the start again yesterday in Florida? Like, is this a health issue? I know Rant has been bruised up a bit this season, so maybe they were resting him, but I haven't seen any indication of him being hurt. If not, is this just the most obvious display of tanking imaginable? Like, is Arizona just shoving it in our faces that we don't want to win games? We're not going to play anti-Ranta. He gives us too much of a chance to win. Like, I want to feel good. I recommended anti-Ranta to our listeners all season long, and every time he plays, I feel vindicated. I say, See, you should have listened to me. Anti-Ranto's great. But at the same time, how can he be a good recommendation for next week with Arizona's great schedule when I don't even know if he's going to get games? I feel like Arizona's going out of their way to play Darcy frickin' Kemper when they have an all-star here in Anti-Ranta. I have no idea why Anti-Ranta is not starting. Arizona are also a notoriously undercovered team when it comes to media attention. So it's not always easy to find reasons for stuff that's happening with the Coyotes. If I wanted to assume that there's no injury trouble, which I have no reason to believe that there is, uh, uh, but of course you're worried that Antibranta has been injury prone lately. So why wouldn't he be injured again? Uh, But assuming that he's healthy, my theory would be that Antibranta is not under contract for next year, but Darcy Kemper is due to get paid $1.85 million dollars for each of the two seasons after this one. So maybe Kemper getting playing time is some sort of asset evaluation or asset management uh, being encouraged by the Arizona front office. That's one theory. I'm not sure how exactly it makes perfect sense. I think just blatant tanking could be the better guess, Elon, especially because Arizona is dead last in the league in their spending. So cap space isn't really a concern or making the most of it. It is weird that Darcy Kemper is going to make just less than $2 million for the next two seasons, especially when you consider that Antti Ranta made $1 million this season. How about that? 
Well, he definitely is due for a raise. He doesn't need to prove anything at this point. But I think the Coyotes management needs to prove to their fans that they're willing to put a team on the ice, that they're going to try to win games. Maybe they saw that Buffalo, they were probably expecting, okay, now that Jack Eichel's back, Buffalo's going to score a bunch of goals and Buffalo's going to win a bunch of games and they, you know, won't come in last place regardless. And all of a sudden, Buffalo is really bad, even with Eichel back. So Arizona's like, okay, we have to up our game and stop playing our amazing goalie. But very frustrating. Yeah, if you heard our SeatGeek promotion, earlier and you live in Arizona I don't, don't even use it to go to a Coyotes game not worth it you have to show them that you, you don't get away with how many people got screwed I know one of our patrons I think it's Lewis lost because Auntie Rata didn't get that game on Saturday inexcusable okay ranting is fun I'll move on Brian who is this guy in Carolina Valentin Zykov he's been playing on the top line in Carolina I didn't even know you messaged me today and you were like hey are you gonna talk about Zykov I was like who had to look him up oh this guy's on a run and is in a really good spot out of nowhere he came in to the league on Tuesday, jumped into this great spot playing with Aho and Tara Viden. He had two goals versus Arizona on Tuesday. He had two assists yesterday versus Ottawa, nine shots overall in the three games he's played. Carolina plays Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday of next week. So Monday, Tuesday, that seems like he might be worth a flyer. You get two games in two nights, and then you could reassess if you can fit Zykov in to both of those games in your roster like who is okay so i guess my question is who is this guy zykov should people consider adding him at least for monday tuesday before reassessing i'm gonna just go on and eliminate assume that his name is pronounced valentin zhikov does that, does that sound russian go enough to you go with zhikov i'm gonna say zykov okay i mean that's what i was thinking of calling him but now it doesn't anyway uh second round pick out of St. Petersburg back in 2013, and uh, Zhikov has steadily improved in bigger roles since his first pro season in 2015-16, increasingly getting more deployment in the AHL, increasingly increasing his scoring. The 22-year-old Zhikov's 17-18 campaign has easily been his best yet, notching 32 goals and 20 assists for 52 points in 61 games to lead the AHL's Charlotte Checkers in scoring. He's got a mix of size and skill, uh, though Dauber prospects Kevin LeBlanc calls Zhikov a long-term project. That said, uh, Valentin sure is doing great in the short term, and if any other Kane was in his lineup spot, we'd probably be advocating that you take a look at them too. So he seems like a pretty good guy to take for a spin on Monday or Tuesday. Keep in mind that Carolina also just recalled another one of their top AHL scores in Warren Fogel, I'm guessing is how we pronounce it. So we'll see how the lineup shifts with Fogel in it and if Zhikov still gets his plum deployment. Interestingly, I, I put out a, a line to Twitterverse to ask if anybody knew why Lucas Walmark, who is definitely the best scorer in Charlotte right now, has not yet been called up to Carolina. Like he had to turn in early March, late February. Uh, not again since. So I just wonder if everybody's sort of getting a turn at this point. But while he's in a great spot, Valentin Zhikov is worth a look. Yeah, I mean, Aho and Tara Viden are turning into really great linemates. Jordan Stahl, I recommended Stahl, like last, on our patron cast, or I guess patron mailbag show that we did last Thursday. It's a bonus episode we do just for the patrons of Keeping Carlson. We've been doing it all season long, by the way. KeepingCarlson.com slash patron to get access to these bonus episodes. One of the questions was, who are some good ads for next week? And I looked at the Carolina schedule and I said, maybe grab Jordan Stahl, at least for Monday, Tuesday, because he's playing with Aho and Tara Viden. Obviously, that goes out the window, but it is a really good spot. Two really good players and Zhikov, obviously, four points in these three games so he's able to produce there so take a look if he's still there after the practice lines come out tomorrow 
maybe give him a nod. Uh, also on Carolina, we should mention Justin Falk is banged up. He missed Saturday's game. He could be back Monday, though. Something to watch. In case Falk does miss time, Brian, how interested would you be in a top power play Noah Hannafin? He took that role on Saturday. Hannafin missed time himself recently, but he returned to score a goal versus the Sens yesterday. But overall, he hasn't had a very impressive season, though he hasn't been on the top power play. Like, is Hennepin for sure on the top power play? Because I was looking at the frozen pool, and it seemed as though Hennepin saw the most man advantage minutes in Carolina's last game, but so did the entire second unit of forwards. Okay, so then it would be like Jacob Slavin that would be the top power play guy? I think so. I tried to dig into shift charts, but could not decode the answer, and I guess I could have... Tried to go back to some video to find out. Did not go to that length. Um, despite Hannafin's more regular power play deployment over the whole season, though, Slavin is the one that I would actually consider adding between him and Hannafin. Slavin has two goals, five assists for seven points and 13 shots, 12 blocks. All of that is in his last five games. Four of those are primaries. Three of them are secondaries. And if Slavin does get to play on the top power play, all the more reason to consider him. Whoever the top power play guy is in Carolina is worth a look while Falk is out. But right now, Slavin seems more appealing than Hannafin, especially because of the peripheral contributions. Yeah, and Falk might be back on Monday, like I said. So maybe this is all for nothing. If you're in a weekly league where your lineups lock, it would be scary to play any of these Carolina guys because we don't know what's going to happen with Justin Falk. Even if he comes back, maybe then he misses a game later in the week. Okay, another defenseman, by the way, making a case to take over as a main power play guy is Ryan Pulak on the Islanders. He's up to eight points in his last six games from the second unit. Pulak is also taking a ton of shots. He has 13 shots over his last two games. You compare Pulak to Nick Letty, who's the top power play guy. He only has one in his last six games remember Pulak has eight points and also Nick Letty has a lot of zero shot on goal games and the New York Islanders they have a great four game schedule next week they're going Monday Tuesday Friday Saturday so I wonder if people should be looking to add Ryan Pulak especially if they have Nick Letty I wonder if maybe a swap out Letty put in Pulak even though Letty gets the better power play deployment Pulak's the guy helping you in points and in shots lately and of course we have to ask how would you compare Pulak to someone like I don't know uh Neil Pionk I admire the run Ryan Pulak is on, but I feel like it would be tempting fate uh, to try him over Nick Letty, who is notoriously unsteady. Uh, You can do it if you want to live dangerously, but at the end of the day, I would still prefer the Isles' top power play guy in Letty to their second unit power play guy in Pulak. Between Pulak and Pionk, I will still go with Pionk so long as Shattenkirk is out, which is the caveat that follows his name every time I mention it through this episode. I am so mad right now, Brian. Dallas is going to lose to Vancouver. It's 3-1 to one now for the Canucks. I'm going to get eliminated from this stupid league because stupid Kari Lennon can't win a game against the Vancouver Canucks. Who are on the road in Dallas, and the goal scorers for Vancouver, Reed Boucher and Nick Dowd, each with power play markers. DC Yogan with two power play assists, Jake Vertanen, just got what might be the nail in the coffin. Things are just awful in Dallas. When you have Reed Boucher, Nick Dowd crushing a team with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan and Alex Radulov on it, you know there's some pretty awful issues manifesting. Matisse Yanmark, by the way, with a lone Dallas goal, 19 this year, and it came shorthanded. So uh, weird, very weird result. Elon, yeah. I'm hoping for three quick Dallas goals for you. Uh, but I would just really rather that Vancouver doesn't score again. You know what, Brian? I don't like your smug face that you uh, throughout what? this whole this whole Vancouver run. You were like smiling, so happy. You don't have any empathy for me being eliminated I'm not, here. I'm, 
I'm very sad for you. No, it's just, like it's ridiculous. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to smile at how ridiculous and inane the way you lose in fantasy hockey is, right? That's the only possible reaction. I don't even want to finish the episode. You, You're you going to be fa- okay, though. You're still going to win your week, aren't you? No, I'm going to lose. I'm going to get eliminated from the league. Is that it? Like, there's no other uh, consequence tonight that you're hoping to happen? Okay, I'm up 166 to 160. I don't even know how much a win is worth. I think five points. So, <laughs> And I have no other players playing but Kari Lettinen. So I, I need a miracle. He also still has oh, other skaters playing. It's, I'm going to lose. Anyway, uh, fine. I'll finish the show I, under I, protest. I have to say, it's, it's, uh, it's never a good thing to saddle your wagon, saddle your horse. What's the saying? Saddle your cart, whatever. To carry Lettinen. And, That's fair. Uh, it's, a, it's a classic mistake in, yeah. in fantasy. I'm yeah, sorry actually, you made it. Uh, well, actually, to start the season, I saddled my horse to Henrik Lundqvist and Ben Bishop, who both got injured. I didn't have those options. So uh, here I am. Lucky me. Okay, I'll continue the show. But like I said, under protest, this league is impossible to predict. Everything we say, it's a total crapshoot. You might as well just roll the dice and you'll have as good a chance at winning as listening to our prediction. No, okay, I'm going too far now. Uh, I'm angry, but okay, let's keep going. You know who hits a lot? Nikita Zadarov in Colorado. <laughs> he had 15 hits on Thursday versus LA. 15 hits! And then only three hits on Saturday. And before that 15-hit game, he had a zero-hit game. So another example of something being completely unpredictable. Before that zero-hit game, he had two seven-hit games. So obviously Nikita Zadarov is a little streaky with the hits, but it seems like overall when you average it out, this guy is going to help you out, especially next week. Colorado plays Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So Zadarov is going to hit some people and help you out a lot in that category. So I would definitely take a look at him, especially if guys like Borowiecki and Adam Larson and Radko Gudas, if they're taken – Go and grab Zadarov. You're going to get yourself a lot of hits. Also, we talked about Eric Johnson returning last week. He's played three more games since we talked about him. Pretty much coming into the form that was advertised, what we were expecting from him. He's been taking a good number of shots, four, three, or two, getting lots of blocks. He had a seven-block game, getting some hits. He had a three-hit game. So Eric Johnson, do what we'd expect. He also had a lot of power play time in the game versus Vegas yesterday. He scored a goal in one of the other games. So again, Colorado plays four times next week. If you're in a bangers and mash league, you probably want to look at Eric Johnson, unless you'd like specifically need hits, in which case you could look at Nikita Zadarov. Brian, do you want to say anything about Colorado? I don't really have a question here. I guess I'll just add that Patrick Nemet to throw out another Colorado name is a defenseman who can get you blocks. I guess so. Yeah, he's been blocking a lot also. So a lot of peripherals to gain in Colorado, along with some really solid goaltending from Semyon Varlamov. He had one bad game earlier in the week, but he really made up for it yesterday versus Vegas. Apparently Bernier was scheduled to play tomorrow, but then Bernier ended up getting sick or he's he's injured or something, and he ended up not dressing Saturday. So I don't know how that affects what's going to happen tomorrow. But if you're planning on deciding between Varlamov and Bernier and other people, like definitely check in. It's not a sure thing anymore that Bernier is going to play tomorrow. Okay, let's go to New Jersey now. We're on our hot streaks and cold streaks. Here's definitely a cold streak. Let's talk about Corey Schneider. Doesn't even seem to be the starting goalie on the Devils anymore. And I don't want to be that guy, Brian, but like in the off season, I was trying to say that I don't think Schneider is going to bounce back. I know you were thinking that, okay, it was just one bad season. And also I should say, when I'm saying like, I was saying, I don't think Schneider is going to bounce back. It's because I heard Nick Mercadante, the goalie expert on some other podcast. He's been on our podcast before also, but he didn't come onto our podcast last season. I, I forgot. We reached out. Anyway, Nick Mercadante is really great. And he was saying how he was concerned about how Schneider's older and having injuries. And yeah, he just couldn't keep it going this year. He had a good stretch at the beginning of the year, but Schneider's just been terrible 
also, by the way, goalies have been so unpredictable. Like no, nobody could really take any credit or blame for bad goalie predictions this year. Also, it would be a long segment just for that. But okay, what was I saying? Schneider, only one game played in the Devils' last seven, and he was terrible. He led four goals on 14 shots in that game before he got pulled for Keith Kincaid versus San Jose. And meanwhile, Keith Kincaid, he's been solid enough. He's currently on a two-game winning streak, including a big 2-1 to win over Tampa yesterday. And if you look to next week's schedule, the Devils play Carolina Tuesday, Pittsburgh Thursday, then the Islanders and Montreal on the weekend. I expect Kincaid will likely get three of those games. It's got to be a decent ad right now, right? Like The Devils are fighting for the playoffs. Even for this game versus Pittsburgh, who knows if Pittsburgh starts to maybe try to rest people. But aside from that game anyways, I think that Keith Kincaid would be a really good ad right now. Definitely Corey Schneider is a snoozer, and I think Kincaid is interesting. Like I'd rather him over Kari Lettinen, that's for sure. Elon, that was a very convenient retelling of your Corey Schneider uh, predictions that left out a really key part of the year when Schneider was a 923 goalie over his first 28 games. That's all the way from the start of the season up to the last week of December. A 923 goalie for Corey Schneider. Yeah, you want to rebut? Yeah, well, I guess the thing what that Nick was saying, what I was trying to say all offseason, that at some point you started making fun of me because I was saying it too often, but I think goalie aging curves are real. And I think goalies injuries do come up to catch up to them like more than even skaters potentially. And I think Corey okay. Schneider do well for a while but he couldn't hold up he's he's older and he's brittle and he's- i'll still i'll still grant you that but i don't think you were saying cory schneider might do good for a while this year and then he's gonna blow it you i don't think you ever had no. him with okay. a chance going going into this season uh incredibly enough cory schneider has been like he has been terrible now you're right elon uh schneider doesn't have a win since December 27th, which is actually the date that marks the end of that run of 923 goaltending and the beginning of a very precipitous fall. If I had to guess what happened to Corey Schneider from December 27th forward, I might suggest that, Elon, maybe he got hurt right around there. He struggled through seven appearances in late December and January before hitting the shelf with a groin injury, missing extended time, and maybe he came back still not entirely 100% or he's tentative in his movements, some other injury-related caution, in which case, in a roundabout way, you're right that, that Corey Schneider's injury history is a flag for anyone hoping to rely on him, but I'm saying that maybe it was the second flare-up or the flare-up that happened in season that did him in rather than anything nagging going into the start of the year. Another completely viable explanation, of course, is that this is just what happens with goalies, right? Ridiculously hot, ridiculously cold. They can be hot, they can be not. Uh, Pecorine owners, for example, know this feeling quite well. As for Keith Kincaid, as the New Jersey starter, he does seem like a guy worth rolling with. I would prefer him to carry Lettinen. in. Uh, I, I originally said buy a hair, but now that Dallas can't even beat Vancouver at home, I like Kincaid to Lettinen in by more than a hair. Uh, I'm really concerned. And I was, I, I wrote these notes before Dallas laid this egg, but you know, team-wide failures happening in Dallas, while New Jersey, with Kincaid surviving reasonably well, having won six of their last nine. Of course, this could all reverse course, but I also uh, have pretty grave concerns about Lettinen as a starter that make Kincaid seem uh, a lot friendlier. And like I said, you don't want to rely on Lettinen. Yeah, I think forget about Lettinen. And yeah, Keith Kincaid, it, it says a lot if you could get a win. And for the team also, to beat Tampa, one of the top teams, New Jersey took him out yesterday. Two to one, great goaltending from Kincaid and Schneider. Like, yeah, Brian, I think we're both on the same page here. Sure, it was a new injury flare-up, but it's not as if his groin was perfect and then all of a sudden, then he had some freak injury. Like, it's because he is, uh, you know, what, what am I going to say? 
he's how, likely to get injured. He's likely to hurt your team. So uh, how, how dare you say Corey Schneider's groin is not perfect? I'm sure he has beautiful children. I'm sure that he's doing well in that area, but he's not good at like, you know, playing goalie through these injuries. That's all I'm saying. Oh my gosh. I'm going to choose not to dig any further into that. Sure. Uh, so another guy in New Jersey I wanted to bring up is Sammy Vatnin. Should his owners be concerned? Vatnin was on such an amazing run on that top power play, you know, while Taylor Hall was on his amazing run. And Hall hasn't really slowed down at all. But Sammy Vatnin's gone pointless in his last three games. All of last week, he did nothing for his owners. Only four shots over the last week. Only two hits and one block in those three games in the last week. So basically, Sammy Vatnin's been a total zero to anyone who rostered him last week. When we would have said he was a slam dunk, you definitely want to play him every game. Are you seeing anything wrong with Vatnin, or is this just a like, little slump and you expect him to bounce back to that amazing run he was on before this little cold stretch of three games? Uh, I mean, it's still hard to know which Sammy Vatnin is the one to expect in New Jersey, the streaking one or the slumping one, because we've seen enough of both to think that they're both very real. And to be honest, that's not terribly different from Anaheim, except in Anaheim, those streaks and slumps usually came with bumps or downgrades in deployment. If I own Vatnin, I'm trying to ride it out. Uh, New Jersey has just three power play goals on 24 attempts over the last eight games, which is where some of those points for Vatnin are being lost and where some of them could also reappear. Okay, and let's end our player discussions. Before we get into some silliness, let's end in Edmonton. We already kind of brought this up. Yesterday, Connor McDavid scored a couple of goals to pass Kucherov in the overall points league. Connor McDavid is very good. You know what? I'm not going to doubt him again. He was down by like 10 points when I made that fateful comment that I was saying, ah, maybe McDavid's not going to be able to catch up because Kucherov... I just thought that, like Kucherov was on such a great run that even if McDavid kept doing well, it would be hard for him to catch up to Kucherov. And Kucherov is doing well, but McDavid is just otherworldly. So I think McDavid will win the score. It's not over yet, but I have a feeling McDavid's just going to keep on rolling. We'll see how he does tonight. And of course, you want to have his line mates, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Ty Ratty, Go back to listen to last week's episode. The advice is the same. You want those guys. And then, Brian, how about Pontus Auberg, who got top power play time yesterday? He didn't even need the power play time to score a goal yesterday. He scored an even strength goal from his line with Dreisaitl and Kajula. Auberg is actually now up to seven points in his last four games. I didn't even realize. He's on a huge hot streak and now on the top power play. So you'd imagine that's going to help him continue this. And playing on the second line with Dreisaitl isn't bad either. So Pontus Auberg has got to be on your radar, right? Yeah, first off, fantastic name, Pontus Auberg. Uh, Raddy, especially, looking rather fresh as opposed to Raddy. Auberg, you know, I'm a little more hesitant about adding him than Ty Raddy because Auberg has not been in his current good spot in the lineup for so long. And it's also not as good a spot as Ty Raddy. That said, in like a deepish league where you're looking at him as one of your top free agents, uh, certainly worth considering. I mean, line two, top power play. But like you said, that top power play changes a lot in Edmonton. So who knows if Auberg will still be there even today. But lots of good options there. Edmonton plays Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday next week. So hard to really recommend jumping on someone if they're not going to have space on your roster. But if you do have space, these are some good players. Maybe someone like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, if he's available, he's probably worth owning regardless of if you don't have space for him. You probably want to drop someone and put Nugent Hopkins in there because he'll probably do better. He's a really good player in his own right. And now he's playing with Connor McDavid. That is it for our player discussion but now brian i guess we are going to discuss uh, some people's teams that have lost and that have won we got, you got a whole ceremony prepared for us right brian absolutely elon and your team has just joined them with a tyler mate goal <laughs> empty netter by vancouver 
to make it four to one. Yikes. What a way to go out. Elon, what's your team name? They can be the first ones. My team name was uh, Latang has got to stay healthy, right? And he did, actually. And actually, was I was planning on bringing up Chris Latang and the Pittsburgh Penguins at some point. I don't know where that went. but You skipped uh, right past him. Oops. Oh, I had a whole thing I wanted to talk about, Brian. I want to talk about Justin Schultz and how he had a great game today. He put up three assists. Okay, do you mind if we just go back and say this quickly? I don't know how this happened. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so Schultz had a good game. And it looks like Schultz was playing on the top power play today. And Chris Latang. He's not doing much. He had a, actually an assist today in overtime, so that gave him something. But overall, like 45 points in 74 games on the season, very far off from the 60-plus point paces that we're used to. Also, Latang, just like a half-point-per-game guy over the past month, now apparently bumped from the top power play. I I, I feel like Chris Latang. it's so weird because we were all saying if only he could stay healthy, he'd be so valuable. Now he stays healthy, and he's just like an average, like above average, like, you know, worth rostering, but not the great defenseman we expected. Is there something about his play, like in an effort to stay healthy, he's had to change the way he plays where he's not going to score as many goals? Like, what's going on with Chris Latang? That's a creative theory, Elon. Justin Schultz has dipped into that power play spot, by the way, a few times this year already before quickly dipping back out, though he also had really picked up a point when he did get up there. So maybe that changes things this time around, although I'm not really counting on it. Chris Letang, I'll be honest. I asked Jesse Marshall. I sent him a tweet because Jesse Marshall over at The Athletic uh, wrote a great article on some of Letang's defensive troubles and how maybe he's not playing that much worse, but he's just getting caught in some really bad moments that are very memorable, but also is playing a little worse to some extent. Uh, It's worth a read if you want to go read it. Anyway, I asked Jesse... Uh, on Twitter, and I'm waiting for a response. Hopefully he'll get back to me. If uh, he has any thoughts on where the offense has gone, because I don't see much of a reason for why the Tang is tailed off. Like, there are a couple low markers of variance. On-ice shooting percentage is a little low. Individual shooting percentage is a little low, but for a defenseman, that's no big deal. IPP is pretty low, but still, like, nothing that qualifies as a total explanation for a season in which Latang may not even scrape his way to 50 points. Seems like a good mystery to be solved in the offseason. And uh, if you, uh, the listener, have any ideas, I welcome your theories, too, because this is something I am presently stumped by. Like, yeah, the IPP is the one number that really stands out, just 38% this year, when in the last three, he's averaged about 55%. That's a significant a reasonably significant drop, but I'm not sure it tells the whole story. Okay, so all that said, I named my team Latang will stay healthy, right? Question mark. Thinking that if only Latang stays healthy, I'm going to be in good shape. That clearly wasn't the case. If Latang could have had a better week this week, not only give me a single assist, maybe I'd be making it to the finals. But yeah, so add that team to the list and let's actually start the music, our sad music, and let's start tributing those teams who have lost. Obviously, I can't be mad because there's a big long list of other people who have lost. That's a tough thing in fantasy hockey. It's like Survivor, Brian. All these good players go out. Only one person can win. You're in like a 12-team league. Even if you're really good, you know, it's hard to be the best. So a lot of teams had their flames snuffed this past week and we will pay tribute to them. So why don't we get started? I guess I'll mention the first team, the Erie Otters. Slappers R.I.P. or R.I.P.? Oh, wait, the team name is probably just Slappers, and then they wrote R.I.P. after. They were first, and then now they're the worst. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, Adam's Helmet Party. Who mentioned uh, that they were eating ice cream and watching The Notebook and definitely not crying over their loss. Uh, Falk, I've got one kesticle. Vasilevsky, and it's like laugh L-A-U-G-H in the middle. Ah, oh, that's a shame. Appropriate. Horseless Headmans, which is definitely one of the better team names I've come across this year. Clever. 
Oh, man. We have a whole bunch of names. You're going to give it to Horseless Headbins as one of the better ones? It's okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Brian's an interesting guy. Like, you can't please him with the normal stuff. Definitely no blue language in team names is going to impress him, but something like that. I see it. Okay. Tier 4 manager, Tier 1 liver. I like that name. Do you like it more than Horseless Headman's? Yeah, it's funny. He's like a not great manager, but he's really good at drinking. Really tells a story. Uh, Midwest Pipeliners. Hovas Polar Bears. Hawaii Honu. The Morrissey, the more I like. Winning by a Landeskog. Not this year. Broad Street Ghosts. 1877 Carlson for Kids. Keeping Kopitar. I love the homage, but you lost, so I'm sorry. Yeah, next time win if you're gonna pay homage. At Tuke Nukem. See, that's that one I'll give a really good thumbs up for. I like that name because that's a game. That's a very strong name. I played, did you ever play? Uh, over the modem, like, you know, there wasn't exactly, you couldn't just, like, connect to the internet, get to have your friend's phone number, and you connect and play against each other one-on-one. Did you ever do that? I did, but not in Duke Nukem. I remember I played against our friend John, John A. from Ottawa, and he uh-huh. had better internet than me. He had, like, uh, good internet, and then I had internet, like, yours for while we've been recording this podcast. And we'd be having a match, and then, like, I would have him in a good spot, and then all of a sudden, like, my screen would freeze for a second, and then when it would unfreeze, I'd be dead. So it was, it was tough. But anyway, okay. Good name, but you lost. Sorry. Sorry to you, and also sorry to Burns on the D. That's, that's funny. Related, my Fall King Pekka Burns. <laughs> Super Mario Bessers. Urban Archievers. Letty from the Block. Sunnyvale Sam Quanches. Jack to the Future. Marchand Conquer. Micron Machines. First team all bro. A team has no name. I feel like now I'm saying these in too happy of a voice. This is supposed to be a sad, somber thing. We've got our Happy Father's Day music playing in the background. So let me try to get more like a do as I say again. The Wingers. Frolic my kesticle. Classy. Clouds of blood. Umia Meshuga ik. I think it's IK. Like, okay. I think that's like a Swedish hockey club determinate thing. Cool. All the Zingle ladies. Is that made? If you made that up, that's very clever. But that sounds like the type of name that someone else made up. If you came up with all the Zingle ladies, I want you to tweet at us. That's very impressive. Elon, do you, you don't even know. This was an episode title, I think, right. last year. That's why. I knew it sounded familiar. It's very clever. So uh-huh. you came up with that on your, on your own, Brian? Yeah, but I don't know if I was the first. Okay, well, that means you didn't come up with it on your own. Okay. Well, like, there's no way to know. Oh, like, independently. Yes. Maybe not the first. I see. Good for you. Very clever. Thanks. Grabner, bot. Okay, we can move on. Uh, Hungwells. <laughs> Tribute to Double William o- Hung, no doubt. Double O Slavin, the man with the golden John. Why John? I wonder which John. The broken condons. Getting juicy with it. Tease from the six. Okay, and that does it. Those oh, are I've all. An, I've got two more. Go for it. The Elmer Mighty Geese. Uh, if you're in Elmer, by the way, you can totally come to our meetup, keepingcarlson.com slash meetup. 
not a far drive for you to get to Bank Street. Uh, and uh, Wade's team, the Rocky Sockets, who I have just eliminated. Or, well, I, I actually haven't checked the score, but I'm pretty confident I have eliminated in the semifinals of our Fantrax League. Uh, losing is so hard. <laughs> well, losing is hard, but we have some people who have won. Hey! Wow! Are we allowed to play this music? We've been playing this music for the last three years. I feel like there's probably some copyright implications, but whatever. Celebrate. Let's do it. Actually, I thought the Dr. Mario winning music was our most recent victory tribute. Oh, right. I forgot. A little bit behind the scenes. We don't have any music playing right now while we're recording. <laughs> I put that in in post. I thought we were going to play Celebrate Good Times, but I guess there was a reason why we switched away from that. All right. I am living to listen to this <laughs> for you to sing Celebrate Good Times over the Dr. Mario theme music. <laughs> Very excited for that experience. Okay, so congratulations to the following people who have won their leagues, no doubt because of our help. Though, actually, this kind of sucks that this list is so short compared to the list of teams that won. Though, I guess a lot of people are just going into their finals next week. Hopefully, we'll have a longer list of winners. But let's not take any more time. Let's congratulate these great teams. It's very hard to win a hockey pool. You definitely deserve a lot of praise. Congratulations to... You're off the case, Bobrovsky! And Orlando Dragon Slayers, who overcame dropping Nathan McKinnon early on. Why? But uh, Stefan and Ranta helped them uh, get through the playoffs. Thank goodness they ended already, or Ranta would not be so helpful. Maybe Ranta will play three games next week. Who knows with that team? Smack my Bishop! Despite losing Bishop and Smith, they still pulled it off. Those are my two goalies. I'm still going also in the league where I have them both. Also, good Prodigy reference. Tarsonis Ghosts? Is that a is that a rock and roll racing reference? No, the guy's name wasn't Tarson. Did you ever play rock and roll racing? No, never heard of it. Oh, man. One of the best Super Nintendo games ever made. Cool. I like... Obviously, it would be some game that no one's heard of that you're going to say. (laughs) I would say Mario Kart is, and I'm sure you're going to roll your eyes and say, what a stupid choice. (laughs) Absolutely. Mario Kart is better than rock and roll racing. How about that? How about Super Mario World? Can I say that? Or is that, like, too on the nose? No, I like to, like Super Okay, the best third-party Super Nintendo game. Okay. Because, like, Ninten- all of the games made by Nintendo, like, published by actual Nintendo, were always very good. Yeah, was it Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past? Is that the one on Super Nintendo? Or is that N64? Uh, Whatever. I think... I don't remember. And his name is Tarkin in, in Rock and Roll Racing. All right, so we'll have to find out who Tarsonis Ghosts is referring <laughs> to either way you won you don't have to explain anything you're a hero today next skate face (laughs) and finally don't know if it's a typo or not uh either way just fine with me the board street bullies it's it's the broad street bullies for sure i don't know maybe it's just a clever consonant reversal maybe i think skate face sounds like the name of a rick and morty character (laughs) like morty meet my friend skate face Oh, <laughs> okay. Congratulations to all of you. It's very hard to win. I've already now lost two of my leagues. I hope I'll win the other two. I'm stressed out here. I need to have a, a new hobby. I need to do some relaxation. Maybe some, I don't know, what do people do? Meditation or yoga? Does that help? Losing is the worst, but winning is the best. So we'll all celebrate some wins next week. Maybe I'll win in the couple. So why am I complaining? My couple opponent, Anthony, 
benefited a lot because I also actually added Lettinen versus him for today. So, uh, eh. okay, Brian, this has been a really fun show. Thanks to everyone for listening, especially if you made it through all of this silliness at the end. I hope we've given you some helpful hints to go into your finals matchups if you're still alive. Ooh, we should play the still alive music from Portal one time. Okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, so what do I say? If you like the show, tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. Oh, also, like I said at the beginning, next week's show is going to be a mailbag show. We're going to be answering your questions. If you don't ask us any questions, we might not have a show. So definitely tweet at us uh, at Keeping Carlson. Use the hashtag KK Mailbag. Also, if you're on Facebook or you can email us, keepingcarlson at gmail.com with mailbag in the subject. Get us your questions. Uh, yeah, we also just appreciate if you give us any random feedback on Twitter, what you think about the show. Then you can give us a five-star review on iTunes. I always like to ask for that. And we really do appreciate the people who go ahead and do that. Every once in a while, Brian references some iTunes reviews. But we look at all of them, and we, we thank you very much. It's very helpful. Also, we very much thank people who sign up to become a patron of the show. I know right now it's very in vogue to stop being a patron of Keeping Carlson because your season is over. But if you want to stick around with us, we're going to be working hard for you all throughout the summer to try to help you prepare for next season. And we'll try to figure out a way to make it reasonable and work for people who might not want to spend as much. So we'll come up with a plan for patrons for the summer. But even if you just want to sign up as a patron for one more week or two and enjoy our bonus content that we'll be putting out every week, check out keepingcarlson.com slash patron. And okay, with that, let's cue the outro music. Bang! There it goes. Again, another little post-production trick. There's no music playing in my ears, but you guys can hear it. Brian, why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? Ooh, also another fun fact, the song for the like end of the show that's playing right now it's very short but i loop it over and over again that's how it always ends at the perfect time you probably figured that out i guess you figured that out outstanding also one last announcement before we really close out the show keepingcarlson.com slash meetup in ottawa sunday april 1st about 8 p.m watch the caps pens game and have a great time anywhere elon is is a great time well I, i try to have fun but also, I, I'd be curious to know if a lot of people are annoyed that we keep mentioning this meetup that 99% of people can't go to. Like, I lived in Ottawa. I moved. Like, you know? Like, I, anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, go just to tell Elon how you value what Ottawa has to offer. Uh, this episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons, including our newest one, Sean D. Welcome aboard. And to the ones who left us recently, uh, thanks a lot. Like you mentioned in your exit interviews, like what's important to you and why, and like some of you leave nice notes. Our egos appreciate that. Um, also, thanks to recent iTunes reviewers like Launchingpad in the U.S. who called us a, much li- a must-listen during the fantasy hockey season, which, by the way, is all year long for us. So a must-listen all the time. And Butch Eagle from Finland, whose uh, who's iTunes review in the Finland store doubles our number of iTunes reviews in that country. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Corsica, Natural Stat Trick, Charting Hockey, The Athletic, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Fan Tracks. Wow, all one take to say all those things. Brian, I thought if you were going to read an iTunes review, it would be like something that was more like funny. Now you're just kind of bragging like, oh, these guys said we're the best in the biz. So, huh, that's fun. Anyways, thank you for those reviews. I'm loopy right now. With having lost, yeah, you're just you're just angry. Well, you you read a review that was just bragging on me. You were just like humble bragging for us. Like I think I wasn't. I I, he said that we were must listen during the fantasy season. I said, hey, beyond that, you can listen to us too. 
I guess that's true. I mean, and then I, I tongue-in-cheek said that we now have two reviews in the Finland that's iTunes true. store instead of one. I did good. I need to go to I need to go to sleep. Oh my no, you need to let off some steam. You need to meditate. Let's have a cold shower, maybe. Dang. Play some portal. Matthew yeah, or Zelda. Zelda's relaxing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty far ahead now, and so I, it's very challenging. I die a lot, which is also very frustrating. Okay, let's end this show. I've been looping this music the whole time now. People must be getting really sick of this song. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you all with another episode, our mailbag episode, next week. Hashtag KK Mailbag. Until then, keep on keeping Carl Sun.